Good morning. It is uh, amazing how we, we live in an age of, uh, with such access to information, understanding, uh, simple internet searches, and you can diagnose your medical condition. Uh, you can learn how to build a deck, rebuild an engine. You might not get it right, but you can at least find that information. Uh, you can listen to lectures on history, philosophy. Uh, clear, information is power. And, and the amount of information we, we have access to is, is, gives us great power. But it doesn't change a reality about ourselves, and that is we're limited. We're finite. We're forgetful. And, and there, there's still a number of, of things that we still don't have access to on our own. Uh, many still contemplate, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Oh, what's the origin of life? What, what, what happens to man after he dies? M- maybe even lower level. How do I just have a successful, happy marriage? How do I train up my children to, to, to honor and, and respect God and, and to, to grow up in his ways? How do I get healthy and stay healthy? Interesting, the, the more information we seem to have, the more that kind of understanding seems to grow dimmer. Today we're looking at a, a burden regarding knowledge. What we know, what we cannot know. There, there, there's a burden because a, a king receives a dream. He, he understands it's an important dream. He understands there, there's something he needs to know about it, but he, he lacks access to it. And it's a great burden to him. T- today we're, we're looking at a king who's convinced the gods have spoken to him, but he does not know what it means. That is the great dilemma. The story is told in such a way that we're supposed to see the failure of paganism. There, 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 there's no understanding. There's, there's no access to false gods. And we're supposed to see how kind God is so that we seek his mercy. He who rules forever, he who rules with power, he who has all wisdom, we see how good he is. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, the simple statement, the God who rules all, he answers our prayers and reveals even the mysteries. The God who rules all, he answers our prayers and reveals even the mysteries. Uh, it's a long text. Thank you, Don and Amanda, for reading that long text for us. It is one story, as we ought to look at it in its, its entirety, in uh, verses 1 to 49. I, I want us to see there's, there's three major movements, three units. There's a number of scenes, but there's three major movements in this story. The first is verses 1 to 12, and this is the king's dream, demand, and disappointment. That, that the, Those first 12 verses are all focused on King Nebuchadnezzar and his dream his demands and, and his disappointment. 13 to 23 are focused on Daniel, his petition, prayer, and praise. So first the king's dream, demand, and disappointment. Then Daniel's petition, prayer, and praise. And, and then the last half, 24 to 49, God becomes center stage as with all of Scripture. God reveals mysteries and rules forever. 
God reveals mysteries and rules forever. Let, let's begin. In the, as with all stories, there, there has to be a problem. There has to be a, a, a conflict, a trouble. What is the problem? Well, the, the king has a dream. Notice verse 1. And it should read, and in the second year. There's a, there's a continuation from chapter 1. Uh, if you were not with us last week, uh, Daniel 1 really sets the stage where we are, how we got there. God gave Judah into the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, these uh, four men, uh, Daniel being the significant leader here, the one in, in view here, he, he, he's carried into exile. He's taken out of God's promised land. He's in the court of the king. He, He's actually still in his training. Remember, he's supposed to train for three years. Well, chapter 1 ended with some significant statements, such as Daniel and the, the three others, they were found to be ten times better than all the other wise men. I believe what we actually see in this passage, why they were found to be ten times better. Because God is speaking to them and through them and, and working in their lives. God hears their prayers. I want you to, to, to somewhat understand some of the structure of Daniel. Last week we looked at the date. Chapters 2 to 4 focus on Nebuchadnezzar. First, he learns that God alone reveals mysteries. Chapter 3, he learns that God alone delivers. And chapter 4 is, is a, an incredibly strange and unusual text where Nebuchadnezzar gives testimony of how God taught him he's made in the image of God and who is really ruling with all authority and who's really worthy of all praise and glory. If you look at page 11, I've, I've provided what I, what I think is a, a structure of the Aramaic chapters. Daniel's unique in that the first chapter is in Hebrew and the, the last half of the chapters are in uh, Hebrew, but... Two to seven are in Aramaic, and you can see how they kind of line up. Chapter four and five is God humbling a proud king. We expand back. Chapter three and chapter six is how God rescues in a foreign land. And if we go back, chapter two and chapter seven, well, it's, it's about God's rule, a vision of kingdom. So that gives us somewhat of an understanding of God bringing about his truth, his rule in this foreign land. Nebuchadnezzar is a mighty king. He, he's the son of a king. He's, he's conquered Egypt. He's conquered Judah. But notice verse 1, he had dreams. And it, it, it was the kind of dream where his spirit is troubled. It was the kind of dream that caused him to lose sleep. Now, he's a practicing pagan. But we understand from outside of Scripture, he seemed to be a very religious man. And, and this dream seems to strike him as a religious man. He seems to be convinced it, this was something important, and he did not understand it. He, he's burdened that this dream was, was, was overwhelming, it was frightening, it's it, it somehow from the gods in, in his own worldview. And, and yet he doesn't know what to do with it. All he knows is he's troubled, and he's losing sleep. And so what does he do? He... He gathers quite a, a, an assembly here, verse 2. Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. With the Chaldeans, probably astrologers is a, is a better way of, of thinking about who that is. He, he gathers all of these folks and he, he asks them, to, tell, me what, tell me what happened. He, he gathers them to, to gain understanding. And Well, 
Verse 3, he tells them, my, my soul is troubled. And then they say, oh, king, live forever. That, that's probably a typical way they would have greeted their king. It, was, it, was it pandering? Maybe. It, it's, it's probably irony as well as recorded, as we'll see later. Verse 5 is a significant shift in the story. This is where Nebuchadnezzar seems to do something that he hadn't done before. It seems to bother the Chaldeans and magicians and enchanters and, and, and astrologers and sorcerers. He, he says, tell me the dream and its interpretation. And, and he begins this by, by making it very clear. Th- this, is, this, this word is for sure. I'm, I'm not budging on it. It seems as if he knows he's been working with charlatans all along. He, he, he says later on, you know, you're, you're full of falsehood and lies. You're just buying time. I, I think this points to how he understands this dream was different. There, there was something in, 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 in divine about what he has seen in his sleep. And so he, he really puts them to a test. I'm not just going to tell you the dream, then you interpret it, and you, you know, make up whatever kind of fantastic ideas you've got about it. No, this is so important. I, I need to make sure you can tell me first that you have access to the knowledge that I need. Tell me what the dream is, and then the interpretation. Well, the, the magicians and the astrologers, the, the Chaldeans, they... they they're, they're bothered by this. They, they, they go back and forth. Well, we, we, we can't do this. No one's ever asked this before. He, he threatens them. If you cannot do this, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. I'm going to destroy you. And let's be very clear. That is not an empty threat, and they know it's not an empty threat. This is Babylon. This is what the king does when he's unhappy. He, he, he's so bothered by what he's seen. He knows he needs to understand it, and he wants to make sure that whatever he receives is true. And so it's, again, significant. Not, show me the dream and... Then give me the interpretation. Verse 11 is a very helpful verse for us to focus in on. The Chaldeans, the astrologers, the the thing that the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. There's some theology here. We, We start to see their own theology working. No one can, can tell you what you're asking except not, not humans, not, not gods who, who don't dwell with us. The information you're asking for is too far away. We don't have access to it. No one except the gods. How, how could you ask us to tell us what only the gods would know? They're, they're correct. It would take divine power to know what someone dreamed. They're correct. It's too difficult for them. The king had a dream he needs help. Now, verse 12 is the following action there. Because of the, this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. We, we, we see his dream. We see his uh, demand. Tell me what the dream is and, and, and the interpretation. And now the disappointment, he's, he's going to destroy everybody. He's made a, not an empty threat. Well, this is where our second major shift happens. Our second major unit. Daniel's petition, Daniel's prayer, and Daniel's praise. We see there in verse 13, 
Daniel is introduced. A decree goes out, all will be killed. And just in case we're wondering, being a student in the school of being a wise man doesn't exclude them. They are also going to be destroyed. Daniel makes a bold petition. It, 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 it's, it, it's incredible what Daniel's doing as a foreigner, as someone who's still in school to be a wise man, who, who, to a king who's furious. But notice our, our narrator, God has told us it's done with prudence and discretion, verse 14. Ariok, the, the one who's carrying out the order, he, with prudence and discretion, he, he says, let me, let me go to the king, I'll, I'll tell him what he wants to know. He even asked, why is this so urgent? What, what has happened? What, what, what's going on? And, and we can only assume, Ariok explains fully, the king had a dream, and he wants this interpretation. And before you can give the interpretation, you have to tell him what the dream is. And, and Daniel says, I'll, I'll give it to him. That, that, that's courageous faith. That, that, that's incredibly bold, but we also see the, God's word tells us that it was with prudence. It was with discretion. That's the petition. Now, now Daniel's prayer. There's, there's a scene change with this unit that's very significant. Then, verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, all from Judah, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Incredible. Daniel knows he's gone. He's made a bold request. He's he's, he's petitioned to go stand before the king. And and notice his his first action is, we need to pray. We, we, We mentioned the courageous faith earlier of he's petitioned the king to stand before him when he's furious and Daniel's life's on the line, but I mean, this is courageous faith. This, I would say, is the, the source of his faith. Prayer isn't just for, for lifting up the faint-hearted. Prayer is the source of strength for the strong. Here, Daniel goes to the only one who could give him what he needs, and he, he asks his friends, pray with me. Let's say, verse uh, 17 and, and 18 and 19, this is what we would call the turning point of the story. It's a, it's a little bit of a different plot line than, than we normally see. And it's pretty amazing that the language is so vanilla. It's just pure descriptive. He went, he asked for prayer, he fell asleep, he had the dream. Just bang, that's what, that's what happens. But, but we see incredible faith. We, we see an incredible God. We see God heard him. God knew what he needed to know. God revealed it to him. And, and this is what disrupts the story. The whole story is everybody's going to die Going to his house and praying and seeking mercy, that's what changes the direction of the story. Now, I, I mentioned 17 through 19 is pretty just straightforward prose, right? Just very descriptive. He asked for prayer. He, took a, he, he went to sleep. God revealed it. Notice verse 20 introduces a, a different kind of language. Whenever prose, 
pauses and turns into poetry. You, you really want to take notice? We, we go from the most vanilla kind of description of what happened to, to an elaborate declaration and poem. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of psalm. God said, we need the, Daniel said, we need the God of heaven to reveal the mystery. And the mystery is just what is unknown, what we do not have access to. He fell asleep, God revealed it, and he woke up and he blessed the God of heaven. And then we see the recording, which, which I, I, I know we just want to see what this dream is. We, we, we want to know what it means today, and, 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 and we're going to get some charts out maybe. It would be fantastic. The change in language, the, the change in focus. No, it's about praising God who knows all and makes known what we need. Notice verse 20 parallels with verse 23. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Drop down to verse 23. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. The the God who has all wisdom and might has given wisdom and might. We, We see those are the two important, significant declarations. God has wisdom and might. God is wise and and mighty. And because Daniel has asked, it has been given. Blessed be God. There, there's a praise. Praise you, O God, who, who possess all wisdom and might. And then at Thanksgiving, you've given what you have to those who have asked. There's an important pattern of prayer here. We, 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 we see that it's God who, whose name is to be praised forever and ever. He's the God of heaven. Uh, Verses 21 to 22, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Okay, that's already alluding to the dream and what's going to happen. He is the one who rules all. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Daniel does not have the ability to do what the king needs. And so he goes to the God of heaven and asks him. He seeks mercy and God answers. There, there's layers to the story we need to just kind of appreciate here. The immediate problem is King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream that has bothered him and he's going to kill everybody if he doesn't get that dream and its interpretation given. That's fearful. That's the most immediate problem. The most important problem is there is one God who has absolute eternal rule. We are to fear him. He is worthy of praise. I I, I draw it into where the the text draws us that this is the God to be praised and and, and thanked and, and, and sought in his mercy. To ask you just the most simple question. Who is your God? You know who your God is based upon where you turn when there is trouble. What, what is it you think about when, when you, you think of God? What, what do you think God has? Is he, is he wise? Is he powerful? What, what do you think he can do? What, what do you ask of God? I, I, I ask him because I, I believe 
verses 1 to 12 are meant to be contrasted with 13 to 23? You've got the clear failure of paganism on display, and you've got the clear one true God who hears and speaks and cares for his people on display. You've got the the false religion of of Babylon on display, and you've got the the true religion of the God of heavens on display. Just just think about verse 11 versus verse 18. The thing that the king has asked is too difficult. No one can know this. The, 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 only the gods. Well, verse 18, they seek the mercy from the God of heaven. That, what, what a contrast of, of the, these charlatans, these, the, these who, who, whose lives are built upon practicing a, a false religion. There's nothing they can do, but, but Daniel and his friends, they have confidence in the God of heaven. They seek his mercy. Both recognize this beyond their ability. Their pay grade. Daniel goes to the one God. He is near. He knows he will sleep. Let's look at another contrast. Nebuchadnezzar, after this dream, he cannot sleep. He has all earthly power. He, He reigns in every way in one of the greatest kingdoms ever known at this point. But he can't sleep at night because of this dream. And notice Daniel who, who is his, his, his next in the line. He's going to be killed. He decided, I want to go before the king and he'll either be the first one to die or he'll reverse everything. Notice it simply says, so Daniel slept. There, there we, we see God, God revealed to him in a, in a, in a night vision as, as Daniel slept. What, what a contrast between Daniel who knows God and Nebuchadnezzar who's bothered by this dream. I would say also one of the most significant contrasts, verse 11 and verse 17, the false religion, they, they, they don't pray. They don't pray. They, they do not have access to any God. Whereas Daniel and his friends, they pray to God. Believer, our God exists. Our God listens. Our God speaks. We, 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 we kind of have to remember those things. He, there, there is a God, and I'm not him. That, that, that was last week's lesson. But, but here, he, he listens and he speaks. He's, he's active. He's communicating. He, he hears us. He speaks to us. We, we, we let so many things get in the way of the access we have to, to speak with God. Too busy, too frustrated, too confused. Maybe, maybe, maybe a sense of shame. We, we come to God and we, we seek mercy. What a, what, a, what a fantastic little description of, of what prayer is. We're, we're seeking his mercy. 13 to 23, I believe, is helping us see the, the true religion. In this foreign land, among foreign gods, the true religion, it works. Because Yahweh is the one and only true God. He is the God of heaven and he's the God of earth. Believer, I ask, does your religion work? And the simple question is, do you pray? Prayer is supposed to be like breathing for the Christian. Uh, too, too, too much of American Christianity became private. As if prayer is supposed to be private. No, we, we come together to pray with one another. 
That's the only way we can actually rejoice with one another and, and, and grieve with one another and comfort one another. Do not be too busy or troubled to pray. Be very clear, verses 1 to 12 is about false religion. When we make gods in our image, our problems do not go away. Those gods are just as dumb as we are because we made them in our image. We need help from outside. We can seek mercy from him who is the creator and has committed himself to us. So an unusual turning point, 18, 18 is they sought mercy. 19, God revealed that mercy while Daniel was sleeping, doing nothing. 2023 is a praise of the God who is wise and mighty. Let's not lose sight of this. The wisdom and might are on display. We're, we're looking at the God who is wise and who is mighty. How kind of God to just make that so easy who he is? To him belong all wisdom and might. And he gives those who seek mercy, wisdom, and might. As we reflect upon this as, as new covenant believers, later on today, discuss after the service, 1 Corinthians 1, where Christ is declared to be the wisdom and power of God. The wisdom and power of God has come down to us. The wisdom and power of God has been fully revealed to us, but it's, it's revealed to us in a way that's surprising. In the cross. The, 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 the cross at that time, we, we, we've seen a change of value in the cross because of Christ, but at the time, the, the cross is associated with shame and lawlessness. But this is where Christ, this is where God's wisdom and power are most clearly revealed. When we look at the cross in, in, our, in our nature, in our fallenness, in our finite minds, we think, how, what, 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 what a foolish symbol, what a, what a symbol where the, the, the worst kind of people are punished and suffered in, in the greatest shame. This is where God shows us wisdom and how he gives life to the dead. How he gives forgiveness of sin how he demonstrates his power in the midst of what looks like weakness. Many will look at the cross and think, this cannot be associated with God, this this shame and lawlessness. Well, you're right, unless God has promised to save shameful sinners like us. That's why the cross is where we see the wisdom and the power of God on display. This is why we can go to Christ with great confidence, who who reigns with perfect wisdom and power, and seek him who is the wisdom and power of God, who gives us his wisdom and his power. The most important thing we need is Christ. Because we're fools, we need his wisdom. Because we're weak, we need his power. It's incredible how clear it is. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the lost. If if, if you're feeling that, the the, the foolishness, the weakness, the the guilt, Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to use all that he has to save you, to bring him, to bring you back to himself. Or we read earlier what Ben read. He comes and welcomes you to himself who are weak and weary and heavy laden and gives you rest. 
He came down to meet us in our weakness. He came down to meet us in our foolishness, in our ignorance, in our shame, and invites us into his strength, wisdom, truth, and glory. This is why we praise him. So the problem, the immediate problem, the king's dream, the, the, the immediate solution, there's, there's a, a revelation given to, to Daniel, a great praise of God because he has all wisdom and might. And now we see our last major unit, our last section. God reveals mysteries and rules forever. Daniel goes into the court of the king. The king declares to Daniel, verse 26, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Now, now again, remember that this is the demand because he's, he's so burdened by this. He wants to make sure whoever tells him what this means, they, they have to first tell him what it is. And, and notice, are you able? There, there's a sense in which he's asking Daniel, are you the one who can finally tell me? Because all those other astrologers, magicians, sorcerers, they could not do it. Daniel's answer is very helpful for us. Verse 27, Daniel answered, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Notice he doesn't say, but here I am to save the day. But there's a God in heaven. Now the Babylonians, they worship the stars, the moon, the sun. This is very important. There is a God The the his astrologers say, well, no one can know this because the, those guys, they don't dwell in flesh. Daniel says he has access to the God of heaven. Th- these dudes can't tell you anything, nor can I. But there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, who makes known what is not known. And he has made known to the King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days? Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of that would be, that would be after this, and he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. Right, so as we pause here, let's go back to verse 1. It's written as if just kind of passive. He, he had dreams. Well, we see here, God did that. God created all that anxiety for Nebuchadnezzar. God gave him the dream in order to get him here. God's been at work. God gave him the dream, but not the interpretation. And, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar's been full of trouble. Daniel's telling him the, the, the God of all heaven, he, he is the one who can make known to you because he's the one who gave it to you. Notice verse 30, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation might be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your own mind. Daniel has godly confidence. There's a sense in which we see, I think, Daniel really functioning like an image bearer is supposed to function. Fully dependent upon God. Relying upon God, receiving from God what God has said, and then conveying it to whomever needs to hear it. 
He, he doesn't take the chance, the opportunity here to be arrogant. And that is just, you know, a, a, a self-confidence that's, that's independent. That, that's arrogance. This is godly confidence. And God calls image bearers, especially image bearers renewed in Christ, to have a, a godly confidence. To know God and what he said. To know God and what he's revealed. To have confidence God has spoken and thus says the Lord when necessary. We, we, we see Daniel speaking to the king, not in any kind of arrogance, but a clear confidence in God. God reveals mysteries. There's nothing, Daniel is, is not claiming, I, 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 do, I do not have some decoder ring the, the, the astrologers lacked. I have not figured this out on my own. I asked the God of heaven and he gave it to me. It is him alone who makes this known. God is the revealer of mysteries. God being the revealer of mysteries, well, now we see God is, he rules. This is why God has even given this whole mystery. Verse 31 to 35, that is telling him what the dream was. And we start to see, all right, this is why Nebuchadnezzar was so terrified, troubled. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image, a, a, a statue. Now, now the, the key here, this is a future-telling kind of dream. We, we talked about the date last week. Why it's so important we understand when Daniel is in the 6th century, because he, the whole point here is that God is able to share things and know things and make known things that are otherwise unknowable for us. Notice here the, the mystery. This isn't like Ephesians 3, promise fulfillment mystery. This, this is simply not known mystery. The God who makes known. Christian, I, I think it's important for us to pause here because I, I fear we too often want to pretend, continue to pretend we, we live under a veil or a curtain. Sometimes I think sin likes foggy theology or, or, or we pursue spirituality, not truth. We, we like to be seeking, not finding. There's a way we must understand God is the most competent communicator. He makes clear what we need to know. And he's made clear who he is. He's made clear who we are. He's made clear what he's done for us and, and, and what, it, what it means to believe in him and what it means to obey him. We, we like to pretend still there's some kind of myth or labyrinth. And no, God, God speaks. And it's not confusing when God speaks other than the confusion we want to make it. We make it confusing with our own inability to either obey or, or seek to truly understand. No, no, God wants to give us a, a firm foundation, a rock to stand upon. The truth that he's given us. Ignorance is a real problem, and those who have the word of God should not live in ignorance. Okay, the dream. It's a great image. It's a statue. We, we, we see different parts of this. There's... There's the gold and the head and the silver chest and the bronze core and the legs of iron. And then in the dream, he, he describes, I want to drop down to the very last sentence of verse 35. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So, so there's a, a stone that strikes this image. It, it falls down. It's destroyed like chaff. It just disappears into the wind. And that stone it becomes a great mountain. That's the dream. 
Then verse 36, having told him the dream, having proven to him he has been given the revelation of God, verse 36, now I will tell you the interpretation. Let me break it down for you, is what he says. It's kind of interesting here, he addresses Daniel, as, or Daniel addresses him as the king of kings, which here he has been established as the great king. He is the golden head. We'll look at this later in chapter 7, but it does appear that the silver chest will be Persia, the kingdom that comes after. The bronze core, Greece, legs of iron, mixed feet, Rome, maybe. The stone is Jesus, the eternal king. That, 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 that's, a, that's a picture we see throughout Scripture from Psalm 118 we read earlier that Jesus himself says he is. That, that stone destroys evil kingdoms and establishes a forever kingdom. The main point of, of this dream is to show these earthly kingdoms will come to an end and there is going to be a kingdom that has no end. These earthly kingdoms will be destroyed, but God's kingdom is forever. We say that at the end of verse 35, but let's just focus in on verse 44 and 45. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall ne- ne- never be destroyed nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw the stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. All right, in those days, we'll, let's put a pin in that. This kingdom's indestructible. The kingdom's forever. Think about this. There'll, there'll be a, an end of the king, and, and nobody ever be brought out of that kingdom. The, 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 the stone is going to establish a kingdom, and it'll never end. Great God has made known to this. The dream is certain. The interpretation is true. Again, like I said, there's, there's some layers to this story. For Nebuchadnezzar, he's being told he's not forever, and this is relieving to him. Think about how, 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 how strange that is. The, the, the dream has troubled him. Now he understands what the dream is, but, but this is the relief he needed. He wanted to know what the dream meant, and he has received that word, and now he knows what the dream means. That's one level. That's that immediate problem. The second way we think about this dream might apply. It's for Judah and for Daniel, whose kingdom was destroyed by Babylon, who were yanked out of their land and their kingdom and dragged into Babylon. There's a promise that there's a victory over these evil kings coming. This evil will not reign forever. The good God in his perfect kingdom will come, and it will not have an end. There's a way in which they're hearing the exile you're in is temporary. God will bring you out of this. Number three, this is for us. This word belongs to us. The Spirit carried Daniel along for us to long for this kingdom. To understand there's going to be kingdoms that are raging against the king. There are nations that will be raging against the king. And we must always remember he will bring to uh, all these kings to absolute destruction. 
We can trust him, the forever king. Now let's go back to in those days, because that's what probably has some folks interested. When and where will this kingdom be? Let's go to some gospel proclamations. Mark 1 opens with Jesus proclaiming, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew 4 says Jesus began his ministry preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Luke 1, the angel comes and tells Mary, you'll conceive a child, and the the child is the son of the the most holy, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Acts 1, before Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, the disciples ask, is now the time to restore the kingdom? He says, that's not to be known to you. The promise is for you to receive the Spirit from on high and to go out and make known this kingdom. How does this connect with the promise here of Dan- in Daniel of, of the kingdom? The kingdom is a, is a significant theme throughout Scripture, and there's, there's a promise of God. There, there is and will be a perfect, peaceful, forever kingdom. Jesus has come as the king. We, we know who the king is. He, he has come to, to introduce the kingdom. He, he himself understood himself to be the king. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. He, he is the stone that, that, that comes to destroy wickedness. Promised. He's the king. Number two. Remember the disciples in the Gospels, they always have a problem understanding what Jesus is saying when he says you have to suffer. And it's because they had a problem understanding there's two comings of the king. There's the first coming where he comes in lowliness to die, to defeat sin, to defeat death, to defeat Satan on that cross with all his wisdom and power. And there's a second coming when he will come again and bring about all the fruition of all the kingdom promises where there really really will be perfect peace forever. We have to understand there's two comings, and and we have to remember this is what we're still waiting on. Christ has come, he has died, he has risen again, he is ascended, and he will come again to complete what he began. That first kingdom, that first coming was conquering sin and death. The second coming will be forever. Third, as citizens of this kingdom now, we are waiting for that final fulfillment. We wait by worshiping, relying upon the power of the Spirit, and seeking to be obedient. Church, what you need to hear this morning is Christ has come, he's died. He's demonstrated his perfect wisdom and power. Our king is risen and he is ascended. He reigns from on high, but yet he still says, I am with you. He's not too far from us to hear our prayers. He's not too far from us to see us in our troubles. And we're waiting in the midst of possible persecution, tribulation, difficulty, trials, confusion for him to fulfill all the promises yet to be fulfilled. Our last few verses uh, introduce uh, something that, that, that can just happen throughout Daniel that, 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 that's fascinating. We, we, we see King Nebuchadnezzar, he pays homage to Daniel. That, that's, that's unusual. 
He commands all these things be given to Daniel and his friends. They're, they're put in these powers, uh, positions of power. Verse 47, the king answered and sent to Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he gets it almost. We're going to see how he continues to get it closer and closer. Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. There's something about this worldview where you needed to be the right people in the right land with the right God. There, there, was, there was local deities. And, and if your people defeated another people in their land, it showed that your God is mightier than that God. King Nebuchadnezzar has got to be rethinking everything. His gods and his land with his sorcerers, they couldn't help him at all. But Yahweh, the God of Judah that he conquered, he, the God of heaven, came into his land and revealed not only the dream, but the mystery. So that he would know he's not supreme, that is King Nebuchadnezzar, but but Yahweh. Our, Our God has no boundaries. He's the God of heaven who is with his people wherever we are in whatever we're going through. What a comfort that that King Nebuchadnezzar, he's now seeing the gods, he should be seeing the the gods he's been worshiping are are false gods. He, He makes a confession, your God is the God of gods. And for Daniel, he he did not doubt his God. He was not too far away because he's in the wrong land. He's not too far away because he's in heaven. No, he, he sought mercy and he received mercy. There's all kinds of troubles. We mentioned earlier, a lot of our families are grieving, death, walking through health issues, marital issues, relational problems, trying to figure out how to, how to raise our children, conflicts, work. Jesus Christ is our wisdom and power. He has all wisdom. This is why James 1, when you face various trials, Ask for wisdom, and he gives generously. He's able to give generously because he has all wisdom. He's not stingy because he's full. And for those whom he died for, he seeks to give. Have complete confidence that our God is wise and powerful. And just hear the invitation, come to me. Pray to me, is what Christ says. And he gives what we need. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we come before you. You who rule with absolute power. The the, the king of heaven, the king of earth the God who spoke this world into existence, the, 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 the God who, who, whose Son came to be with us, who the Word become flesh, who, who taught us. The, the God of truth, who's even given us your spirit of truth. Lord, we, we praise you for all the ways in which you've made known to us all we need. We ask forgiveness for all the ways we have not pursued knowing you or even bringing our troubles to you in prayer. 
Lord, may we see more and more you are our God who comes to us with all wisdom and power to help us in our foolishness and our weakness. Help us to trust you, our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.